0: Everybody loves a story. For the next few months, we're going to be doing this story together. Uh, This is uh, the book. Uh, It's not to take the place of your Bible, but I believe this this journey we're going to take together, I'm really excited about it, is going to help us a great deal. Survey after survey shows that people have less and less biblical knowledge uh, than they used to. And that is not to convey... Guilt or shame upon any of us—it just is the facts, as the surveys report. And I know I've had folks say to me, "I, I wish I knew more of the Bible stories. I wish I knew uh, more of the the biblical message, the narrative." And so that's what we're doing—we're going through the story together, and we're going to go quickly. So it's good for you to be here as often as you can, because we're going to cover a lot every week. And also, I'm going to tell you every week, for those of you who don't purchase, and it's totally optional, you don't purchase the story, I'm going to tell you what passages we're going to be covering the next week. So next week, uh, week two, we're going to be talking about Genesis chapter 11 to Genesis chapter 35. (laughs) You see, it's a lot of material. You go week by week. I also encourage you to use this as devotional material with those in your household. It's great. Because our children are doing this throughout the, the um, church. It's great if you take this and talk about it with your kids. So, f- for example, this coming week, you would talk about either week one that we're doing today, or you could go ahead and talk about week two if you did week one last week. The stu- the, our children are studying week one this week as well. <laughs> but it's, it's good for you to keep up and use this as devotional material. I think it's going to make a big difference And I guarantee you, if you will be here as often as you can, you'll know a lot more about the Bible when you get done than when you started. Now, the premise behind the story is this. There are really two stories from Genesis to Revelation. There's an upper story, an upper story that concerns God's relationship with humanity, with with mankind. How God wanted to have fellowship. It says we will make man in our image. We, we want to have fellowship. He's the ultimate expression of our creation, man. And, and he wanted to have a relationship. And so the Bible traces that story of, of forgiveness and uh, reconciliation and identity and redemption uh, through all of Scripture to the end. That's the upper story. So God's always at work, even in the Old Testament. He's always at work. To bring about a reconciliation, that is, uh, he's building the family of God, he, he's seeking to, to connect with sons and daughters of God. That's the upper story. Then the lower story is how God worked in the individual cases, in the individual lives of people. And we see we'll see today from the very beginning, Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman, God uh, had for each of us a free will that we could use to choose to live however we want it. And we sometimes will use that free will to do things that are self-centered, things that bring heartache instead of pleasure. We think they're for pleasure, but that's the lower story, God working in the individual narratives of folks. So he, he, at this time, we're going to be talking about how God wants to build this kingdom of God, but we're also talking about what God wants to do in your life, in your family's life. So it's going to be a great journey together. The story in it, we, we first see the creation of the universe. We see the creation of the universe. As Isaac mentioned, a beautiful sunrise. But it, it's hard for us to imagine that all of the universe was created from nothing. That's how it starts out in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. would say something, he would speak it, and it would happen. It was, for, it was a formless nothing, and, and God speaks, and all of it is created. Amazing to see. It's amazing to think about the, the complexity, the intricacy of this universe that we live in. The width of our Milky Way galaxy is so vast is 589 quadrillion miles that if you could travel as fast as the speed of light which is 186,000 miles per second it would take you a hundred thousand years to cross it and did you know that even when you're asleep in bed you're moving pretty fast our Milky Way galaxy is rotating around 140 miles per second so in one minutes time you'll you traveled 8,400 miles or One day's time, 12,096,000 miles per day. Did you ever feel like life's going pretty fast? Scientists tell us there are at least 10 billion trillion stars in the universe. And depending on the temperature of their surface, stars can be white, bluish, yellowish, and reddish. Amazing. In August 2011, National Geographic News reported there are 1.2 million species known to science. Based on an estimated 8.7 million species, they've only recorded 15%. And another source indicated scientists discover 15,000 new species every year. Amazing. Complex. And the Bible says it uses this word bara. Bara is the word for, uh, in Hebrew that is only used for God as the subject of the creation. Now, God we know is three persons. And here, actually, the plural form is used, which indicates that God the Father and Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit, even in the beginning, the three were one, and they all participated in the creation. But it's always identified as God being the author of creation. Friends, I think today we have, (coughs) in our culture, this argument going on. Did the earth just come into being by some kind of Big Bang? Or was it intelligently designed? Was it created by a superior, supreme being? The scripture is clear. There is no alternative story that God brought the universe uh, with his Son and the Spirit into existence. In some ways, I think it takes a lot more faith to be a believer in the Big Bang Theory. And I think it does to believe in God's intelligent design. But the, the, the debate will continue. The debate will rage forth. And it goes to, as well, the origin of the human species. This is what God says, again, later in Genesis. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky by God's word and God's creative powers that the first man and the first woman were made. Now, what were they made for? They were made in the image of God and ultimately for fellowship with him. That's why we were made. But it's clear to me that there is no room in Scripture, the scriptural story for uh, trans-species evolution. I believe intelligent people can believe in evolution, uh, but I also believe intelligent people can believe in what God teaches as the creation of man, Uh, that it was not something that somehow we came, as uh, uh, Darwin's theory of evolution talks about, that somehow we came from one-celled organisms all the way up through our progression into man as we know it. There's little viable evidence in the fossil record for trans-species evolution. Now, by that trans-species, I mean, I think we can clearly see there's evolution within species, but I'm talking about changing. And I've always wondered why if there was evolution of species, theoretically, trans-species evolution happens so that that uh, species can continue to live, it can continue to exist beyond threats to its existence, then uh, why are there still those other things that supposedly we involve from? girl talked to her mom, and she said, Mom, where did humans, where did we come from? And she said, well, God created man and woman, Adam and Eve, and they had babies. And from there came all the people we have today. A couple of days later, she went and asked her dad, Dad, where do, where do we come from? Where do humans come from? He said, well... Uh, Originally, God created monkeys, and and then monkeys evolved, and we became humans, and that's where we came from. So she went back to her mom the next day, and she said, Mom, I'm really confused. I came to you, and and you said God created us uh, from Adam and Eve. We came, and Dad said we came from monkeys, which is true. And she said, Well, honey, let me tell you. uh, Your dad was telling you about his side of the family— And I was telling you about my side of the family. You have a choice to make. I think it takes faith and trust to believe either. But I can tell you, the scriptures, it's amazing how the Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit, spans over 66 books over centuries of time to tell a consistent message That God created, he spoke the world into existence, and he also created man and woman. I tell you, I can hardly believe that it is by chance, it is by accident, that our bodies with all the complexity, our ability to think and to process and to perceive, all came about by accident. I believe what the story says, that God created us, and so there we are. But God created us for fellowship by our own free will. He creates the first man and the first woman. And there we see the challenge of human existence. Uh, The last part of Genesis chapter 1 says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. I bring that verse to bear because it says, God saw that he created and it was very good. But as he creates man and woman with free will, they sometimes use that free will for not so very good. The story continues by telling us of Adam and Eve's rebellion against God. I told you uh, that they were created, man and woman were created by God. The Bible says the first man was Adam, the, second, or the first woman was Eve, and they were in this place, this beautiful place, the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, we read, The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This tree of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil, the only tree that God had off-limits for Adam and Eve. They had everything they needed. It was truly paradise. It was a life of bliss. Everything they needed to enjoy life, to have a fruitful and productive and blessed life. One boundary they were given. So oftentimes, it's not thinking about the blessings and the, the, the fruit that we can bring to others It's thinking about what we want that gets us into trouble. And here, Adam and Eve have this temptation that's going to come before them. The scripture says, The Lord God commanded the man, You're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. He hears that promise. He hears that prophecy, yet we see introduced the age-old story. You see, all of us, because we have free will, we are vulnerable to temptation. And the Bible introduces us to Satan here. Later in the story, we hear that Satan was actually an angel, and he rebelled against God. He wanted to be like God, and he rebelled against God in heaven. And because of that, he was judged, and he was thrown out of heaven along with a third of the angels who rebelled with him. He was thrown out of heaven And now he works on earth until he's ultimately judged at the end of time. He's allowed to do his dirty work, his tempting, his deceiving. And in the Garden of Eden, he takes the form of a serpent. We read in Genesis chapter 3, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat tr- fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, or you will die. You will cert- not certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing God, good and evil. Remember why he, the sa- the, Satan was originally thrown out of heaven? Because he wanted to be like God. Here he brings that temptation before them. You want to be like God. You want to, to do what you want to do. You need to be able to do what you feel is right. The woman saw the fruit of the tree was good, for, was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They exercised their free will. Make sure you understand, the serpent was not actually to blame. The serpent was the agent of temptation. It is for us to recognize that no one can make us choose to rebel against God. But inevitably, because of our Human and flawed nature, we sometimes exercise our will to disobey. I remember when I was young, I couldn't wait till I turned 16, and then 18, and then 21. I was like, I can't wait because I get to get out of this house and do what I want to do. Any of you identify? Any of you with me? And I got out, and I used my free will to do what I wanted to do. And like Adam and Eve, my eyes were opened. And so guilt, so shame were introduced into my life. So oftentimes that which feels so good right now in the short term brings such pain and heartache as we go forward. The scripture says the wage of sin, and that's what we're talking about, rebellion against God is are doing what we want to do instead of what God wants us to do. That is sin. The wages of sin is death. I think that's eternal death, ultimately, but I also think I believe clearly that sin brings death bit by bit to relationships, to health, to our well-being, mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Today, perhaps you came in to this place and you've got a secret corner of your life, which you've been given into temptation. The story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden keeps being repeated over and over and over. Maybe you think you're getting away with it, but I assure you, friends, this sin in your life will bring destruction. It will bring death. Perhaps today is the day to turn away. For you see, God's desire has never been to condemn. God's desire has always been to bring to you the freedom that comes from confession and repentance and forgiveness. The story of Adam and Eve is our story. God wants to work in your life in the same way. And we see as we go forward that destruction comes from disobedience You see, the sin that Adam and Eve first partook of, it soon becomes the order of the day. Every person, all of humanity it seems, chose to do evil, chose to give in to the flesh instead of to live by the Spirit. We read these sad words in Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 that tell us of destruction coming from disobedience. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Friends, I I say today, you look around and you think, boy, this world is a bad place. It's full of all kinds of evil and wickedness. It's nothing compared to how it was then. It was so bad that God decides that this world has no hope. And so he brings judgment upon the earth. Uh, Genesis seven eleven in the 600 year of Noah's life on the 17th day of the second month on that day all the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of heavens were open and farther on in Genesis chapter 8 by the first day of the sixth month of Noah's 601st year the water had dried up from the earth well what happened the waters burst forth from the deep and 40 days of rain come down upon the earth, 40 days and 40 nights. God decides to destroy the world, in essence, to cleanse it by bringing water destruction. You know, the archaeologists have found evidence of a great flood that happened. Yes, this flood was God's uh, decision to do things right. And so his plan was to call Noah. Noah, who his friends thought was crazy, built this great ark, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet wide, 75 feet high. And they told him to take your family and to take two animals of every kind and to put them on the ark. And they go on the ark through all of this deluge of rain, And at the end, they are set upon a world that has been totally cleansed. God makes with Noah a covenant. A covenant is an important term to understand from this story. It is a sacred promise that God never goes back on. With Noah, the covenant is this. Never again will the earth be destroyed by water. But you, Noah, are to live by using your free will to choose to follow God, to walk with God. We shall see as we go through the story that people repeatedly forget to honor our part of the promise to walk with God. But I give you today, I leave you today with a ray of hope and forgiveness. Even in Genesis, we see a promise of hope. We see God caring about his people. Genesis 3.15 says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. That is, there will always be hostility between uh, Satan and his forces and mankind. And between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and I will, uh, you will strike his heel. Uh, what that's saying is it's a messianic promise that one day uh, it will seem as if Satan has won. And when Jesus was on the cross, it seemed as if death, Satan, his greatest tool had won. But thanks be to God, Jesus, when he was buried, did not stay dead. He rose. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? It has been overcome, conquered by Jesus Christ. The power of life has overcome the power of death. So I say this to you. If you've heard today and you realize that you're not as close to God as you need to be because you've got stuff in your life that dirties you and corrupts you. You understand this, that Jesus can help you overcome that. Greater is he that is in you than greater is he that is in the world. He is a God of confession. He is a God of reconciliation. He is a God of restoration. Where there is mess in your marriage, he can make it better. Where there is trouble in your family, he can heal that trouble. Listen, if you get... Yourself right before him and take his offer of fellowship and forgiveness. He can make all the difference in the world. First Peter says it this way, echoing the story of Noah. To those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. And it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God wants to give you a clean conscience. Wouldn't that be a great thing to have? The great news I have for you today is God, it says, when we come to him, we give our life to him. He forgives our sins as far as the east is from the west. He can give you a new start. He can bring hope where there seems is none. Maybe today you need to become a Christian. You need to call on the name of the Lord and you be, you be baptized into Jesus Christ. We'd love to help you with that. Maybe it is you want to join us formally here at Northside as we seek to be a body that uses our free will to please and to live for God and not run from Him. But maybe, as I've talked today, you understand there's some things in your life you need to get rid of. Let that start today. Let that start right now. We're going to sing a, a song of ministry here. And if you have a decision, please come. Let's stand together and sing.